Ephesians chapter 1. And uh, I'm going to begin reading in the verse 16 and read the, from there to 23 uh, from the King James for me. So you, uh, I may jump over to Amplify a little bit. I have a parallel uh, Ephesians to Amplify. And so um, these are some rich verses in here. Uh, Ephesians is one of my most favorite books um, of the entire New Testament of Paul's letters. And as a lot of you know, if not all of you know, that these, these prayers were inspired by the Holy Ghost and actually for New Covenant people. So you can pray these prayers, say these prayers over yourself. Uh, you can say these prayers over your family, your children. A lot of times people ask us, you know, we have this situation in our, our family, in our home, and our, our kids, our grandkids, and we don't know what to do. And a lot of times the advice that we give is to insert their name in these prayers wherever it's applicable. Brother Hagin said he did this a number of years ago. He was talking about the Ephesians prayers in Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3. And he was praying for his brother. I think his brother's name was Dove. I don't know if that was a nickname or whatever. And said he'd been praying for Dove's salvation for 15 years and getting nowhere fast. And he was led by the Spirit to pray these prayers. And he said, I prayed these prayers intensely for a week. And he said, Dove was saved the next week. And, uh, uh, but if you ever heard him teach on it, he said, uh, what happened out of these prayers beyond that? It says, he said, after he prayed the Ephesians prayers, he said, I suppose a hundred of times. He said, now, I don't mean I, I took the time to do it. He said, but just going about my duties, I'll be going from the parsonage and I'll be running errands. He said, then I go back in the church. He said, but I had my Bible open to, to Ephesians and had a Bible open to, to that, Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3. So when he said, well, I, sometimes I just walk through the church or the sanctuary and I'd stop and I'd read these prayers. He says, six months later, after reading these prayers, he said, I had so much revelation of the Word of God that I never saw before. He said, I told, he said, I told Aretha, his wife, he says, dear Lord, what have I been preaching? He said, it's a wonder the deacons didn't have to come and tell me to get out of the rain when it's raining. Well, it was, uh, it was a big change in his life, the revelation that began to come. And when you see the content of, these, of, the, of this prayer, which it is a prayer, the, and, I mean, in, in the form of a letter, you know, Paul's writing the letter or the epistle to the church at Ephesus. And he starts off in verse 16. He says, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, and I want you to think about you now, may give unto you, and see, that's where I'd put my name, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to... See where you put your name? You could just say, I'm reading the Bible, usward, but you put your name there, usward. Uh, and um, so let me find a place again. Uh, da, da, what verse are we in? Uh, us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Is that where he is now? That is exactly where he is right now. The Bible says, what's, it, what's he doing there? His ministry now uh, primarily is that of intercession. The Bible says he's sitting at the right hand of the Father where he daily liveth 
ever liveth to make intercession for the saints according to the will of God for your life. And since he knows the will of God for your life and he's, and he's, and he's interceding, he's fully expecting his prayers to be answered concerning your life. So he set him in the right, at his right hand in heavenly places. Look at, now, 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 look, now look at the position. Far above. Not some, but all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. Not only in this world. This is big thinking. Not only in Chilton County. You say, well, I'm from Shelby County. I think that it would include it. Or Chilton County. Or Jefferson County. I think it goes beyond our state, doesn't it? It goes beyond, you know, sometimes we think in terms of um, whether it's life or the gospel or whatever as Americans. But, you know, we're only 6% six, 6 of the population of this planet. God encompasses the whole thing. And he cares about the 1%. But we are, we are really just 6% of the population of the world. We get about 94% of the gospel here to 6%, so it needs to go to the other parts of the world. And so he says, and he hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is us, right? Which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Now, if you allow me to go into the Amplified for a moment, and I'll just select some verses in, the, in 17. Let me read this to you from the Amplified Classic. He said, I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation into the mysteries and secrets. There it is, mysteries and secrets. Into the deep and intimate knowledge of him. Next verse in Amplified. By having the eyes of your heart. Makes it a little bit clearer the eyes of your heart flooded with light so that you can know and understand the hope to which he has called you. Wouldn't that be good to know? Wouldn't it be terrible to miss your whole life not even know what he's called you to? In other words, you could be busy all your life but never productive. Stand before him one day and miss, took your whole life and missed the whole plan. I don't know if the words will be well done, but here we can know. We can have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him and know what he has called us to. And how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints, his set apart ones. Now let me explain that a little bit further. Notice he said how rich is his glorious inheritance. What is the glorious inheritance of Christ? Is it heaven? Is it, his, is it the wealth of heaven? The inheritance... That the, the scriptures here are talking about Christ's inheritance, what he called a glorious inheritance, is when he inherited you back. He feels like that made him and the Father rich. Did you get that? <laughs> Look at the value he's placed upon us. So that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited. You can't measure it. You can't limit him. And surpassing greatness of his power in and for us. You can put your name in there. Who believe is demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength. When he exerted, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. So he said the greatest display of power, of God's power, was when he raised Christ from the dead. Not creation. 
No resistance to creation. The, the greatest resistance is raising Christ from the dead. And so he said he raised him up and seated him in his own heavenly places. Now we're going to go and, 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 and read into chapter 2. And then we'll, uh, we'll go back and forth for a little bit from 1 to 2. But let's go into verse uh, chapter 2, the same Ephesians chapter 2. It says, in you... Now, now Paul wants to talk to you. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in times past you walked according to the course of this world and according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh. We were fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we were by nature the children of wrath. That's verse uh, 3, uh, Ephesians 2, 3. We were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Verse 4, but God. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, hath he quickened us or made us Together, that means made us alive together with Christ, for by grace you are saved. Look at verse 6. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Now, I don't know how your Bible set up. I see chapter 1, parts of it, and chapter 2 on the same opening. But I want us to look back and forth a little bit. We've done this before, but I want you to get it. If you have a Bible, you need to look at it if you can. Let's go back to uh, chapter 1. And um, notice that in verse 21, well, let's, let, let's go back to verse 20. It says, which he wrought in Christ, to the, the power that he took to raise Christ from the dead. Verse 20, once he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Set him in his own right hand in the heavenly places. Which is far above all principality and power and might and dominion and everything that's named, not on this world, but that which is to come. Now go back to chapter 2, verse 6. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Let's go back to chapter 1, verse 20. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Let's go back to chapter 2, verse 6. And hath raised us up. So he raised him up, now he raises you up. <laughs> and made you sit together in heavenly places in Christ. Oh, let's go back to chapter 1 just a minute. Verse 20, which he wrought in Christ when he, when he raised Jesus up from the dead and then set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Chapter 2, and hath raised you up together Amen. and made you sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I know you're not three-year-olds, but let me go back to chapter 1 for just, just one more time if I can. Verse 20, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Amen. Let me show you something in chapter 2. 
Verse 6, and hath raised you up together and made you sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Chapter 1, verse 21, now we're both sitting together in heavy places. What are we doing? What does it look like? What does your position look like? Well, you're far above all principality and power and might and dominion and everything that is named, not only in this world, but also that which is to come. And hath put not some, but all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. The Amplified says in that last verse of 23, it says, it says this way, which is his body, the fullness of him. We are the fullness of the body who fills all in all for Now listen to this. For in that body lives the full measure of him. Now, I don't know if it means what it says, but I think it does. In the body of Christ, in us, in you, lives the full measure, the full measure, the full measure. Who makes everything complete and who feels everything everywhere with himself. That concludes our service for the day. <laughs> that could conclude it right there. Amen. Now, if you will go with me to uh, Isaiah. Hang a left right here. And go to uh, chapter 11, Isaiah 11. Let's talk about a little bit more that uh, he's deposited into you. Because you're in Christ. So when you see Christ and you know who he is, then you'll get a, you'll get a hint of who you are. I'm sorry, I didn't tell you. Page 1098. I, I don't know what I was thinking. 1098 if you've got a Bible just like mine. Isaiah 11, verse 1 and 2 says, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Now, who are we talking about? Jesus, right? Now, watch here. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and the Spirit of might, the Spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. So, these things that are resting upon him, he said, He shall, he said he shall come out as a branch that grow out of the roots, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Where, where does the Spirit of the Lord rest upon now? Upon you. Does it not? In other words, he said here, there's some things that you could, you know, pull them out one by one. He says, but, but he had the spirit of might. There's, there's seven spirits talked about here, about rested upon Jesus. Seven spirits that rested upon him, that which derives its, or originates from the Holy Spirit. And it says that he would have the spirit of might. I mean, and, and, and that spirit of might is in you just waiting for you to stir it up. Just waiting for you to stir it up. You, you have all the power of his power in you, but it's just waiting for you to stir it up. The, so I, I did a little homework on this um, some time ago, and then I revisited it again yesterday. It said the spirit of might, and I won't go through all the Hebrew names and all that, but I'll give you the meaning of the Hebrew. The spirit of might means force, mastery, power, mighty acts, and strength. 
So this is, so this is this one of the, the, the seven attributes, you might say, of the Spirit of God that was on Jesus that was talked about in Isaiah chapter 11. But each of these seven are in you. So what did, what did he have? When, what do you have? Well, he had the spirit of might. So it means he has force. He has mastery. He has power. He has mighty acts. He has strength. The spirit, then he had the, also the spirit of might and counsel, which will give you counsel in any situation that you're in right now. Boy, I hope that's helped to you. How'd you like to get your counsel straight from the head? I mean, he really is. You know, time we, we talk about somebody, we say they think they're a know-it-all. He thinks he is, and he, and because he is a know-it-all. Amen. I mean, the Holy Spirit is a know-it-all. And I think like Mark Hankson said for years, he said, but he's also in show business. He likes to show what he knows. <laughs> Amen. So that puts you and I in show business. But you never thought you'd be in show business, but here you are. So when Satan speaks lies and tries to push you back, maybe through your mind, your will, and your emotions, know who you are, and then you'll be fortified. You'll be strengthened. You have the spirit of might. You have the spirit of counsel. Amen? Now go with me to Psalms 24. I'm working y'all this morning just a little bit. Psalms 24, and we'll read verses 7 through 9. Psalms, the 24th chapter. Y'all doing Okay. This is powerful. Powerful. Verse 7. Lift up your heads. Oh, I mean, that's what the scripture said. You, you can read if you want to, but lift up your heads, unless you're looking on screen there. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be you lift up, you everlasting doors. Uh, let's see what happens next. Lift up your head, all you gates, be lifted up in everlasting doors. Oh, and the King of Glory shall come in. Yeah. <laughs> in other words, uh, get your attention, you know, for watching, you know, Barney, you know, shoot his last bullet, you know, down into the floor. Lift up your heads, look at the doors. Guess who just walked in the doors? The King of Glory has just come in. Ha <laughs> ha. And then they ask a few questions. Well, who is this King of Glory? <laughs> he, he said, he's the, long, he's the Lord strong and mighty. He's the Lord who's mighty in battle. Well, we see pictures of him holding and, you know, caressing a, a, a lamb. And, and the, we see the gentleness and the kindness and the love and the compassion of the Lord. But don't mistake that for weakness. Don't, don't think meek is weak because he's mighty in battle. He's the king of glory. If you want to know, can he be commander in chief? Just venture off into Revelation a little bit. And when we come back with him from our seven years, whew, seven years in heaven, y'all going to go to the, y'all going to go to the marriage supper of the lamb? How many of y'all going to go to the marriage supper of the lamb for seven years? How many going to go to the beam seat to the reward seat of heaven? You know what happens right after that, don't you? We jump on a horse and come back to earth. So if you don't like horses, you need to get used to them. Giddy up, man. Giddy up, giddy up. We're going to ride a white horse behind the king of glory. I mean, you watch movies and Star Wars and all kind of stuff like that. But I mean, I mean, how many of you do believe the Bible? Yes. 
Wouldn't it be good if it's true? Oh, it is true, right? So um, we're, we're, we're reading of our future. You're going to ride a, you are actually going to ride a horse behind the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to earth for the, the battle of Armageddon. Which is only going to last about 60 minutes. And he's going to stretch out about 53 minutes of it, you know, just, just for perks. Then it says his eyes will be as flame and his breath as a fire and he'll consume all his enemies. I don't think we actually engage. We're just like the, you want some of us? You been looking for me? <laughs> We're on the white horse behind him. We're just watching and like, yeah, yeah, just come on, bring it on, bring it on, bring it on. I don't even know if Jesus ever gets off his horse. Praise God. Amen. You know, it'd be, that'd be fine if it was a movie or a script, but this is what we're actually going to do. We're actually going to do this. We're actually going to live this out. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank God my horse won't be like that pony I got on as a kid and it ran me through the barn and it went through and I didn't make it. I've always been a little skittish about horses about that. I mean, I'm actually going to ride a horse from heaven to earth. I've never thought about that. <laughs> of course, I'll be looking for barn doors, but anyway, don't think there'll be any. Praise God. Who is this King of glory? He's the Lord of hosts. He's the King of glory. Praise God. Look what's going on here this morning out of, out of, out of Ephesians. Now we're sitting together with him far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. Everything that is named. Look at the king in his kingdom. What is kingdom? The kingdom is um, the government influence of the, of, of, the, of the king. The kingdom is the rule and the reign of God. Praise God. Now, let's take a little turn and uh, think about it in different terms. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6, if you will. Matthew chapter 6. Y'all don't have to be anywhere today, do you? I mean, we don't go to work till tomorrow. Made some of y'all nervous. Just kidding. Matter of fact, my notes right here just said, Jesus said, do not worry. So don't worry. We're, we're, we're gonna, not going to. But verse, uh, but verse uh, Matthew 6, verse 25, I think, through 34. Jesus Red writing, you see it? Verse 25, red writing. Let's read it together. Ready? Read. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you should eat or what you should drink, nor yet for your body, what you should put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Keep on reading. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit to his stature? And why you take thought for raiment, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, and they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Verse 30, wherefore if God clothe the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye? Oh, ye of little faith. Verse 31. Take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we close? 
For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore take no thought for tomorrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself, sufficient unto the days the evil thereof. So he said, don't worry. Um, <laughs> don't worry. One of the most simplest, basic instructions you, that shouldn't be, shouldn't be very complicated, yet the thing that most people entertain much of the time. O over sometimes just the very basic needs of life. What are we going to eat? How are we going to drink? What about my retirement? What about my health? What about this? What about that? In other words, it's because mostly people have been on man's system. It's because men have lived in the Babylonian system all their life, said they were in the kingdom of God, but never actually lived from it. Sputed religious sayings, or even said amen to what was truth, but still never crossed over and lived from the kingdom on, in, 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 their, in their renewed mind. In their renewed mind. It's one thing to say, it's another thing to do it. Amen. So, a mother and father takes care of the needs, which is the most basic needs of your family, your children. Think about it this way. Even the animals, their most basic instinct is to feed their, their young and protect them, isn't it? It's in the instinct of a raccoon. Are you not better than a raccoon? You're like, are y'all wondering? How about a possum or a skunk? Are you not better than a skunk? Well, of course we are. He said, are you not better than birds? He said, look at the, look at the field. He said, Solomon and all his wealth and all his wisdom and all his glory was not as clothed and arrayed as beautiful as the wheat fields. So he, he kind of points out to it. To, to, he says, he knows when every bird leaves, takes his last breath and falls. He knows every hair that's on your head. And I, I suppose well, if he knows when the hair falls, I mean, I mean the, the sparrow, he also probably knows when the hair falls. He keeps the count. Are you not better than the bird? You ever feel like, you know, the sky is falling? Remember that old saying, the sky is falling? When everything looks like it's closing in, all you got to do is open the door, look outside, and listen for birds. And if you can hear a bird chirping, you know everything's going to be okay. Because God takes into account all of creation, even the birds. Now, um, people live, this is where Zach and I preach together. People are living in two ways. It's one or the other. Or they'll go from, from one to the other. But most of them live in two different ways. They have two different perspectives the way that they live. Some, some people work to live. Some live to work. Some said the same thing, right? No, that's one time. Some, some people work to live. Others live to work. Some will say, which one is it? Jesus would say both approaches are wrong. 
You don't live to work and you don't work to live. Now, see, we're talking about the kingdom. So I don't I don't get up in the morning and go to work to live or I'm not so obsessed with my occupation or what I do that I live to work. Both approaches along. Jesus said this It's more. He says he said, is not life more important than food and clothing and shelter? Work is work is important, but it, it's not to define you. You are not what you do. Your life's purpose and your life's priorities uh, do not center on work. But work is important. Obviously it is. If you think that way, then you're going to miss your purpose. So I'm not going to work because we need to live. I don't go to work so we can make a living. I don't go to work because my priorities that way is so um, out of focus with God's purpose of me being here and, and with my family that if I just work to live. Well, I just work, you know, because we're making overtime. I just work because, you know, the economy, that's that is going to get bad. I just work because, you know, I, I'm, I'm filling in some voids here. Then you're missing your purpose for life. I mean, that's why some people do drugs. They do drugs to forget. Whatever, whatever drug or choice that they use, they do it to numb themselves to forget. Well, you don't need to forget. You need to remember. Quit taking whatever you take to forget and go back to the book of remembrance. Remember when you go to the, 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 the communion table, he said, do this not to forget, but do this to remember. Do this in remembrance of me. That's what you're doing when you read the book of Ephesians. You're remembering what Jesus already did. Hmm? Uh, so uh, Jesus, he, he proclaimed very strongly, emphatically. He said, do not worry about your life. Don't worry about your food. Don't worry about your drink. Don't worry about your clothes. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So he took their focus off and said, don't act like a Gentile. Don't act like people who's of this world. You're in it. You're, you're in this world. You're just not of it. You didn't originate in the state of Alabama or where you was born from. You originated out of him before you were sent to the earth. That's why he calls you an alien. A pilgrim. A stranger. This world should be strange to you. Because you wasn't born here. You was always in him. That's why we probably all came here crying. <laughs> it's like, oh, it wasn't when we first saw the doctor or your mom or your dad. <laughs> it's just like, oh my gosh, I was in heaven. I was in God. <laughs> and now we're taking 20 years trying to preach in Christ so people will find out. And that's where you started. <laughs> so... So seek first the kingdom of God and seek his righteousness. In other words, seek his way of being right. Now, what is his way of being right? Faith. Faith is his way of being right. Be believing is his way of being right. Believing opens the door to access to all the grace that's deposited in Jesus. 
Grace has deposited everything. Faith accesses that door. Uh, uh, you're, you're Matthew. Go, go, go to Romans 4 real quickly. This is kind of throw this in real quickly. I think it's Romans 4. Yeah, here it is. I'm going I'm to move on for sake of time. Romans 4, 13 through 16. It says, For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law. The promise that, that Abraham would be the heir of the world was not to him or his seed through the, through the law or the keeping of the law, but what? But through the righteousness of what? Of faith. For if they which are of the law are heirs, then faith is made void and the promise of none effect. Because the law worketh wrath, for where there is law is, there is no transgression. Look at verse 16. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only that which is the law, but also that which is the faith of Abraham, who is the father of Saul. So God made promise to Abraham that he would be the heir of the world and to his seed. But it would not come by the deeds of your working. See, I, I think I got it in my notes here, but if I say it twice, it'd be OK. God doesn't want you to work for him. God does not want employees. He wants partners. Actually, he wants to work for you instead of you working for him because it's never worked good for a man to work for God. It never was God's intention. Find out what the Holy Spirit is saying right now in your situation. Find out what he's doing in the world today. Find out what he's doing in your life today. Take a moment and pause and think, pray, do, do whatever you got to do, then get involved there because that's where he's working. Now, you say, well, he's anywhere from Genesis to Revelation. That's true, but that, that, that doesn't mean that's where the emphasis is at the moment. Find out where the emphasis is at the moment and get involved there. He's already working. Don't ask God to come over here and do this and help this and bless this. Find out where the Holy Ghost is working in your life. Amen. Praise God. Um, so let's talk about the kingdom just a moment. Kingdom possessed people. Can I call, can I call you possessed? How many of y'all don't mind being possessed of, of the Holy Ghost anyway? Kingdom possessed or kingdom minded people. They don't make a living. They don't make livings. I need to go make a living for my family. You need to stop that. You say, well, a man is supposed to work. He is. But then you got to define work. We live for the kingdom. From the kingdom. Kingdom of God people don't live to make a paycheck. They live to function in their position in the kingdom. Pastor Buzz used to say, <laughs> he, he said, get behind one of them cars, had a bumper stickers that said, oh, oh, so off to work I go. He said, maybe just want to ram into there and hoping I could knock their bumper off. <laughs> I, oh, I, oh, so off to work I go. He said, that's a lie from hell. He's like, bam. He's like, he said, I'll just have to pay the insurance claim. 
Kingdom people do not strive. And I'll say that again. People, kingdom people do not strive day in and day out to meet their needs because they understand that their God shall supply what? All of their need according to what? The, the Biden administration. Notice I didn't use the word president. There's, there's that and then there is a president. You just can't put the two together tomorrow. <laughs> we talked about that last week. Hate to be sitting in an office. Hate to be sitting in an office in a position and you have no anointing to be there and the weight of it come on you. Well, anyway, moving right along before I get knocked off. Hallelujah. They don't, they don't strive day in and day out to make a living because we understand that all of our, God supplies all of our need according to his riches. His, his riches. God is supplying all your need and beyond your need because he called you and he placed you and he positioned you. And so you have, you have, or you could almost say two inheritance, you might say. In other words, one that's life, you know, one to buy. I mean, everybody needs Captain Crunch. You know, we know that. Lord knows that. I mean, we all, in other words, all, we all need the basic needs of life to live. He, the, the, we, we covered that very well. You're better than a bird. But you also have the calling. You have an inheritance for that. You can say it real easy, can't you, in a church? I mean, I, I mean, Alabama Power wants money at my house like they want money here. So I, I, I need an inheritance to live life, but in ministry, it has to have, have its own life. There's two inheritances there. And God's not limited. You can't tap him out. You can't tap God out. They're still discovering galaxies in 2022 that are far surpassing billions of galaxies. The Earth is so tiny, little. I mean, I mean, I always said like it would be a. I don't even know if it would be. You know, if you put it in perspective, I don't even know if like the end of a pencil, the erasure on it. You know, if you put it, you know, you got seven billion people on one planet out of billions and billions of galaxies. And God is concerned about the price of milk or gas? Really? You think he is? I mean, gas has been this high before, hasn't it? I remember in 2006 paying $5 for it. I remember the men went somewhere in 2005 or six and church fam. It was kind of strange because we filled it up. It was $4.99.9, $5 a gallon. And, and that thing, uh, church fan, you know, you know, on a good day, you get about eight miles to a gallon. It, it, it was, we, the nickname of it was Thirsty Boy. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it was like to fill it up, it was like, wow, I mean, I think that was our whole Wednesday offering right there. But God's not moved by that because he's, he's not working out of your riches. He's working out of his. He's not working out of your supply. He's working out of his. And he knows that you should know that you're funded. You need to say that. I, I don't care if you're retired. I don't care if you get a social security check or whatever. You need to say, I'm funded. I'm funded from the kingdom. Say that with me. I'm funded from the kingdom. 
You're not even of this world. Right? Now, so kingdom people are not in pursuit of selfish gain, but for seeking opportunities to introduce the, the others to the kingdom. See, so we're, we're not using our whole life to make money. Our job, even though we work, and although we make money and we take that money, there's exchange for, for time. There's exchange for you know, whatever we do. There's a value placed on it. Sure, I, we get that. That's just common sense. But the broader perspective of that is not, that's not how it works. Not how it works at all. Um, this whole thing about, you know, we were talking about for the last six months or a year about whether favor uh, is merited or unmerited. Uh, the Amplified Bible uses um, the term unmerited favor all the time. I, I like the Amplified for a lot of things, but for that I don't like it at all. Being that when you're born again, everything changed. When you're born again, you become a new creature in Christ Jesus. When, when you're born again, you're placed into the family of God, right? So when you're born again, the spirit person who you are now, d d does the blessings that come to you, do you merit them or are they still unmerited? And before you say anything, let me give you a little way to do it. So here, here, here's a mom and our parents and say they have three children. They have one that's a baby, they have a, a three-year-old, and they have a five-year-old. Boys, girls, whatever, a mixture of all. And they come for breakfast. Of course, the baby was kind of up all night long, changing diapers and crying. Mom's a little bit tired. Johnny didn't put his toys up, and Dad, you know, came down the steps, and, you know, there was the little skates there on step four, and, and, and so Dad went from step four down to the floor or stubbed his toe, right? And little one over here, you know, little sweet pea, you know, she's found your lipstick and she, and, and she has discovered art all over your wall. It's breakfast time. Do they deserve breakfast? Do they? they now, they, they, they have your last name. Do they deserve breakfast? Why? Because the baby kept you up all night. Dad, you know, feels like his foot's broke, broke or, you know, or at least his big toe. And mom doesn't know what she's going to do about the walls or what she's going to do to you about the walls. But do the, do the children ever question in their mind to ask you, I know I've made big mistakes. You probably, doesn't, you probably don't want me to eat this morning because I don't deserve to eat from, from your cabinet, from your, your pantry, your refrigerator because of my behavior. Do a kid ever, does the kid ever think that way? Does the parents who love their kids ever think that way? Why do we think that way? Are we better than God? Are we more loving and caring than God? Why do we ever, why do we ever wonder, do we, do we merit the blessings of God? Of course you do. You're a child of God who makes mistakes like the three-year-old. Mm. Glad y'all brought that up. Praise God. So, we pursue the kingdom, opportunities to introduce others to the kingdom. Pursuing the kingdom is a simpler life and simply a more fulfilling life. Pursuing our God-given potential is the key to all. Is the key to all. And the fullness of the king and his kingdom is not located downtown on Main Street. 
the fullness and the headquarters of the kingdom of God is where? It's within you. So Jesus is saying, when we make the kingdom of God our first priority, then these things that we spend our life pursuing will now turn around and pursue you. You've been pursuing them, but when you make the kingdom and the headquarters and understanding the purpose of the kingdom and your involvement in the kingdom, they will now pursue you. Even they had a measure of that in the old cut, Deuteronomy 28, to about the blessings coming on you and overtaking you, coming on you. That's in an old covenant. The blessings will come search you out and overcome you. Don't everybody get excited at one time. So here's a quote. You've probably heard this before. I don't know whose quote it was. But it says, the value of life is not in duration, but in donation. Whether you live to be 50, 150, or anywhere in between. Sometimes we get hung up on a number. Live to your satisfied. Live to you, fulfill your purpose. I'd rather, I'd rather live to be 60 years old and fulfill my assignment than be hooked up to 25 machines a day, you know, just dragging life out. That, that's just me. You do what you want to. Amen. I'd rather run into heaven with a, hey, than a, hmm? Well, the good thing is we don't have to do either one of those. You're not important or strong because of how you live. You're important to people of the kingdom because of how effective you are in the kingdom. He wants us to be effective in the kingdom. Not busy. See, people say, man, how's it been? Oh, man, I'm busy. Well, stop that. Be effective. You might be busy in the sense of your day's full, but are you effective? Because don't, don't, let's, let's don't confuse um, activity with, with being productive. A lot of people are busy. Some people are just busy bodies. Some people know more about your business than they know about theirs. Some people don't have any business, so that's why they want yours. <laughs> they tell you what to do, what not to do, what to think. And sister, have you heard? Now, we're not talking about nobody. I mean, this is, I'm just telling you so we can agree about sister. And let me tell you about sister. Oh, did you hear? Now, this is enough so we can agree. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, we all believe that. You are important to people of the kingdom because of how effective you are. We are not effective because we work for God. Here it is again. We will work for God or do not work for God. Let God work for you. God, once again, is not looking for employees. He's looking for partners. Remember, we're co-laborers together with God. You have partnered with the most successful, most influential, most diverse governing kingdom on the planet. That's who you've partnered with. See, it all changes when you think of kingdom and you're, and you're partnered with God. And your purpose here. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. God told him to leave home. He was what, 70 years old? 75, whenever you left home? And God said, go and, and go to a place which I'll show you. But, but leave here. Where do you want me to go? Abraham, just, just go. Well, how many people would do that? Leave your home, leave your family. Take your belongings and leave here to a place I will show you. Abraham did it. 
by faith and God counted as righteousness. Abraham in Galatians, God preached the gospel to Abraham before there was a gospel. And Abraham believed it and God says, put that down to his credit. That, that he says, Abraham believed the gospel and God says, put that down as righteousness for him. Impute righteousness for believing me. He says, we can now partner with this man. You want God to partner with you? Believe him. Do what he says. Act upon his word. Forget the foolishness of this world. Know your assignment. Be busy about your assignment. Quit coming to church. Be the church. Be the salt. Be the light. Well, I'm just so busy. Stop that. Have, have correct priorities. In other words, you, you can't say yes to everybody and everything. I can't be the captain of, I mean, I can't be the, the president of the PTA and the captain of the team and, and, you know, 40 other positions. Can't do that. You can't put that many irons in the fire. You, you've got to know what you're called. I mean, if you, don't, if you don't know what you're called to, then you won't know what to say no to. You, and then you'll end up saying yes to everybody because you're a kind person, in other words. Um, our assignment, well, let me back up a little bit from last week. What, I asked this question last week. What do you do when you're in a crisis? And the answer to that was to remember this, that the kingdom of God has never been in crisis mode, nor will it ever be. So when you're in, a, when you're in, a, when you, when you're in the kingdom, right? So when you find yourself in a crisis, just remember, now the kingdom's never been in crisis. So, so, why, so why would I be in crisis in my thinking? Because the solution is already there. Amen? Amen. Oh me. Oh my. So our assignment is to, number one, I'll give you three things. Our assignment, in closing this morning, our assignment is to, number one, pursue people because we're kingdom. Number two, invest in people. And number three, because we're disciple people, we equip them. I will answer in some measure, some degree, as a pastor, did I invest in people and did I equip the people to do the work of the ministry? Because that's what I'm called to do. I'm not to win all the lost. I'm not to disciple everybody who comes to the door. I'm not to pray for everybody's healing. Um, that's a, a pastor who does not know his assignment and does not know what he's called to do. The scripture said that I am to equip the people to do the work of the ministry. Therefore, I have to take the time to invest in people who want, to, who want to function in their assignment. Not make them, can't make them, but to invest in the people who are ready to go now. We don't invest just uh, in materials or buildings because church is not a structure, it's not an organization. It's a body made up of believers. Familiar scripture, we'll close with this this morning. Luke 17, verse 20 and 21 it says, and when he was demanded of the Pharisees, about Jesus, when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them. And Jesus said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. Neither shall they say, lo, the kingdom is here, or lo, the kingdom is there. You won't be able to point to it. But the kingdom of God is within you. You are the headquarters of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is abiding within each one of us right now. 
We are the, we are the citizens of the kingdom of God. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue that's risen against you in judgment shall be condemned. And then he told us to be fruitful. Amen. See, if you make the important choices that, that you find in the word and, and you just go ahead and make the, make the decision to do it. See, I, I'm not wondering if I'm going to be here next Sunday. You say, well, of course you're not. You're the pastor. I wouldn't wonder in these things when I wasn't. I watch people go to, to, to the Bible school at Raymond five days a week who cut out on Sunday because, I mean, it, 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 hey, it is, it's a busy life to go to Bible school and go to college. And it's that. I mean, it's just like sometimes you feel, feel like you're passing yourself on the interstate. And, you know, coming with go to Bible school with three kids, you know, you know below your belt and coming back before, that, 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 that's a busy life. I mean, we, we went to school and had two jobs, you might say. I mean, two little jobs after. I mean, we went to work after school, then we had a part-time job, job after that. There wasn't no more time. You, you, you couldn't have cut any more coupons. There, the, there wasn't enough. You, when you added it all up, there wasn't enough. I mean, it was 1992, but, you know, gas was 99 cents. But, you know, my, my total yearly income when I went to Bible school was $14,000, and I had four kids, and rent was $475 a month. You do the math. That's just rent. I mean, then you got utilities and this and this and, you know, insurance, car and gas and maintenance and all that kind of stuff. It, it don't work. It, it does not work. I don't care what year you put it. Maybe 1804, but not 1992-94. But see, I knew that I was there because I was called to be there on assignment. So what you have to learn is because I'm, I'm where I'm supposed to be in the kingdom, I'm there by God's grace, and by God's grace, I'll be funded. Where's it going to come from and when? I don't know. And people don't like that. I, I understand they don't like that. People have more security. They feel better when they got a little stockpile of money. You, you feel better about it. But what if it was all gone tomorrow? What if the monetary system of this world certainly just wiped it out? That whatever that you feel secure today, it no longer exists tomorrow. Then, then, then what do you do? I bet you there'd be fewer empty chairs next, next week. If you found out that this, the United States, which I'm not prophesying anything, I'm just giving you a crazy example. Hope it's crazy. That you, that you found out tomorrow that this nation has been seized by another nation and that we're not supposed to meet any longer, then you would be like countries who existed that way forever. Then what would your choices be? Then how would you function? Then would you pay attention? Then would you come? Then would you weigh Wednesday night out? I'm, I'm not here to criticize or, or whatever. I, I, I'm just saying we have to wake up, rise, and shine for, 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 the, for the light has come. I'm talking to you on the, uh, do you understand I'm talking to you to a, on a higher level today? I, I, I'm talking to you because I understand who you are in him, of the kingdom. I, I wasn't here to, to soothe your emotions today, although sometimes we need that. I'm here talking to kingdom people because that's how I know who you are. And if you don't know it, I hope that you rose to, to a level that, a place that, that you'll come up in your thinking. Huh? Amen. Someone asked me the other day, said, when do you think you're going to retire? I said, I don't know when my last breath is. I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. 
It may not look like it does right now. It may not be the same way, but in, 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 let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Retire and do what? Watch Gunsmoke. I've seen all them. I've seen everything and everybody John Wayne killed. I, I, I've seen all that. I don't watch Andy Griffith anymore because I, I know their lines better than they do. I, I just don't have any interest in Andy Griffith. I mean, I, I mean, I mean there are some really great shows, right? But I know them all. I know my three sons. I know all that. Amen. I don't know what Alabama's going to do when they get to LSU, but I mean, I'm just, I mean, there's, there's some unknowns, you know, because they're kind of like, we're great and we're not so great. And we're, but, but wouldn't it be better if, if we knew this like this and then that we got fresh manna every day? I wonder if the Israelites ever just had the thought, I wonder if it's going to drop tomorrow. I know they did because of how they acted. But just think about it. Every day, every day, God dropped food from heaven and water came out of the rock. And for 40 years, their clothes had to be preserved and their shoes grew with their feet. How do you do that? <laughs> you know, you're just a toddler, like walking around, and then you're, you're 35 years old and you wear a size, you know, 14 or something. You had these little bitty, you know, tykes like this. Then one day, you know, your foot's is, you know, longer than your, than your arm. And God had to grow that and preserve that. And it had to last. Does he do that always? No, but he did it for them because it was necessary. He took them out of, he took them out of a system of slavery and bondage. And he brought them in, in, into a place to where they would have to trust God. They, they left with silver and gold. What good is he going to do them? There wasn't a Walmart. There wasn't a Target. There wasn't a Galleria. I mean, I mean, uh, uh, Amazon wasn't delivering. There wasn't a soda machine. There wasn't a vending machine. I mean, they got gold and silver and, and could shop nowhere. <laughs> nowhere. <laughs> so we the richest poor people there ever was. <laughs> they had no unpaid bills. They didn't have any bills. All they was trying, all God needed to learn was, you can trust me. I'll be your God. I'll lead you. I have better for you. I want to take you to a land that flows with milk and honey. See, God's not taking us, Old Testament, to a land of promise. He's taking you to the place of promises that he's already made to be fulfilled. He wants you to take you to the place of the fulfillment of the promise that he made to you in Christ, not to a geograph geographical place, but that you live in the, in, in the promises of yes and amen. That's worth coming for right there. When you come to the place, you say, I've now come to the place of my inheritance of yes and amen according to the, to the glory of God, so shall it be and so shall it ever be. In the mighty name of Jesus. I call you healed from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. I call you well in Jesus' name. I command your body to get in line with this word right here. He sent his word and it the word healed you. Let the weak say I'm what? Strong and let the poor say I'm rich. And let the good looking say, well, of course. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, we know we, we don't want to be prideful. We know, we, we know we're good looking, but it's like one guy said, you know, he says, well, I, I don't want to be proud, but I'm you know, I need to be humble, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty proud of my humility. It's like, well, I don't. 
Amen. It's a great time to be alive. God could have dropped you down in the 1400s. You could have came up during the 1600s. When, when, these, when this Bible that Jesus used came out, the King James. Joking for those listening a lot of later time. I, I, don't write me a note. I, I know that Jesus. Amen. People will send you stuff sometimes. Don't you even know? You're a pastor. Don't you even know that Jesus didn't use the King James Bible? And I'm like, no, I didn't know. Thanks for writing in. They're like, of course I know. Go to another channel. <laughs> this is our channel. <laughs> if you don't like it, get off of it. <laughs> Amen. But we love you. Amen. Paul said, you foolish and Galatians, so sometimes you don't even, you can talk to. Anyway, I call you blessed. They were blessed going in. They were blessed going out. I hope you went to a higher place today. You moved in and moved up. Amen. We're not working for a living. If I'm doing anything, if I'm working, I'm working for a giving. I'm going to give so much one day. The people I look to as mentors and pastors, whatever, they'll quit asking for money for a long time. That's what John Osteen used to say. He said, all pastors ever ask for is money. And, and, Joe, and John Osteen said, well, I was not a pastor for many years. And then I've been a missionary and I've been a pastor and I've been an evangelist. And they said, well, well, they said, well, Brother Osteen, you know that pastors ask for money a lot. He said, they do. I mean, there's a reason why they do. They said, well, what do you think you ought to do? He said, give him so much he'll quit asking for a long time. <laughs> that was his advice. <laughs> Just make the check good. Amen. I love you. God bless you.